The thing to do is cut them down the belly, scoop out their guts, fill the chest cavity with cement weights, and then use belling wire to wrap them up. And that is David Parker Ray, the toy box killer, letting you know how to properly dispose of a body so it don't float. For a second there, when you started saying cement, I thought you were going to say semen. And I was like, that's very, how do you get that much? <laughs> I don't know. Ask JJ. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jen. This is Becky. And it's too close to home. Mushroom stamp episode. <laughs> <laughs> the toy box killer, David Parker Ray, is actually one of the lesser known serial killers. There's quite a few people that don't know who he is. Or I've only heard of him as a toy box killer and don't know a lot more. And that's because I would have to say he's one of the top five most horrid individuals. He's he's like him and Randy Kraft could be brothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They that could real disgusting. Be best friends for life. Mm, sounds like they're going to be a delight. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, you know, warning, lots of rape, lots of torture. Um, we're going to do a little bit I of I thought his... you said a lots of Ray. I'm already starting out just making up how you're going to be talking today. <laughs> just trying to guess. <laughs> we're vibing. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're going to go over some of his uh, audio tape where he explains what he's going to do to the victims. I will tell you the part that I went over is probably the only part you want to hear. If you want to go listen to the rest, go ahead. It will scar you for the rest of your life and it will never go out of your brain. The day you die, you'll still hear it in your head. It's mm -hmm. horrific. So on that note, <laughs> let's just jump right on in. <laughs> Woo! So David Parker Ray, and we all know every good serial killer has three names. I mean, yes, there's... they do. John Wayne Gacy. Checklist. Check. First box. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. He was born on November 6, 1939, in Balin, New Mexico. He's a Scorpio. Check. <laughs> For a second. I mean, I'm a Scorpio, too, and I'm always on the verge of being a serial killer. Just, just right on the precipice. Right there. His parents were Cecil and Nettie Ray. There's not a lot about his childhood that's known, aside from the fact that he was raised by his grandfather. His dad was a truck driver who was an alcoholic, and he would go out on the road on these trips and he'd randomly just come by to visit. When he stopped to visit, he would beat the shit out of them. Oh my God. That's what I asked my dad for too when he came home from business trips. Did you also ask him to drop you a bag of sadomastic porn? <gasps> Fuck yes. All right. Well, same person. You know, memories. Not only was it sadomastic pornography as in magazines and what, it was actual Polaroids of real women being bound and tortured and raped. Every little boy's dream when his dad comes to visit. Cereal killer ingredients for cereal killer soup. This is yes. how you make it. The grandfather was also kind of an asshole. He was a discipline, very strict disciplinarian. Didn't see any reports about abuse from the grandfather, but I'm guessing there was probably a little bit of slapping around. Lots of well, neglect. I mean, like the way people treated the kid, their kids back in those days is most definitely abuse these days. 100%. 100%. <laughs> They're like, you got to beat the hell out of that child. You got to beat Christ into him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were beating in him, but it was not Christ, I'll tell you that. <laughs> his little sister, Peggy, lived with him. There's not a lot about his mom. I mean, I searched and searched for his mom, and in everything I came across, they didn't know shit about her either. She basically bounced. 
I mean, with those assholes around, shit. The grandmother lived with them until she passed. And then him and his sister were split up. But I couldn't really find much about where his sister went. But David stayed with the grandfather. When David was a child, he was painfully shy and very socially awkward. And so much that he was bullied by his peers. Um, Along with the bullying, the neglect, the porn Santa bags dropped off by his dad. It led to a secret fascination with sadomasochism, binding, torturing, all of that. No, no surprises there. After he completed high school, he went on to join the army. God, they love the that military stuff. Serial they killer. love politics. Is he going to get in politics? Sure. I feel like that's going to happen. He doesn't. Oh, okay. I know. He only served a short time. He was honorably discharged. He was a mechanic. He went on when he got out to work as an auto me- mechanic and working as an auto mechanic through all kinds of different places and whatnot until he finally settled in Elephant Butte as working for the park rangers as an auto mechanic. I mean, that sounds cush, though. I know, right? He was married four times. Ooh. And he had two children. One was Glenda Jesse Ray, and he had a son. You don't hear anything about the son. So I'm guessing whatever woman he had that would bounce the fuck out <laughs> and took the kid with her. Deuces. Jesse was left with him and he raised her. Yeah. The last woman that he would date would be Cindy Hindi. <laughs> There's nothing like a rhyming name to go with the serial killer to really just bring it all together. <laughs> you know? Really make it just... Yeah, chef's kiss. It's a cherry on the top. Cindy so, Hendy. Don't do that to your kids. Don't. Just like if they're twins, don't give them rhymy names. Don't. It's not cute anymore. Or something like it's a couple like Romeo and Juliet or Johnny and June. Do you not realize the Jack connotations here? No, yeah. thank you. No. You're just adding spices to the We're not the Habsburgs. Soon. We're not all fucking each other. Okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so we're going to tell you a little bit about Cindy Hendy's past because we just really want you to know all the main characters here. Okay. In our fairy tale. <laughs> so, Cindy Hindy was born February 6th of 1960. They were 27 years apart in age. Ooh. She also came from a very troubled childhood as well. Her mother was an alcoholic who also participated in beauty pageants. And she would often let the kids go hungry, didn't take care of them. Hindi's mother eventually married a man when she was eight who became her stepfather. He liked to go into her room and molest her at night. And when she was around 11, she finally worked up the courage to tell her mom. And uh, he told her mom, no, he was just really drunk when he got home and he got the rooms confused and ended up in her bed. But he wasn't trying to do nothing. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's a good room. You know what? I got the Sorry, wrong room. Wrong woman. <laughs> Bye, B. I could totally Oopsie. not tell the difference between a child and a woman. <laughs> not at all. It's plausible. 100%. Like, have you ever had a, a Jaeger bomb night? We've all had those. Come on now. I always make it back to my room. <laughs> not anybody exactly. else. I don't fall into anything. Okay? No. <laughs> not like that. So, Hindi's mother being the stand-up mom she was, took the husband's side, and they kicked her out of the house at age 12. Fucking 12 years old. 12 years old, kicked her out of the house into the streets. What year was this? In the 70-something? She was born in 1960, so it would have been 72. Oof. What a fucking tough time. That was like 
prime one of the best eras for serial killers, okay? It was. That was like the time when you could really get away with it. If you were the dead. dawn of it. Like sh- people were just wilding out killing people in just droves. And just 12 years old, that's just ser- that's just bait. You're just putting her out there. I couldn't imagine being out on the streets at 12 years old fending for myself. I would have died. I'm not going to lie. I'm yeah. too soft for the world. I was too I trusting. I don't know about that. You probably would have created your own street gang and still be <laughs> running it to this day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a thug. You would have been up. You ever watched that show, Queen of the South? No, but I need to watch it now just for that. Yeah. Just so I can have it. She's running shit. That would have been you. Talking about you would have died. Are you kidding me? I got in a um, uh, row argument with someone the other day, but it was just funny because this kid was like, you could tell he was just trying to be a troll. And so I got on there and I was like, oh my God, small dick alert. This is so bad. I'm so sorry for you. Like, I feel bad. Like, I kept, like, making fun of this kid. And then I was like, oh, I see. Your profile says you're 24. I get it. I get it. You've not had enough experience. You just got off your mama's titty. So I get it. You, you just see? don't understand. It's hard. You see? And then, talking about you're too then soft. he goes, I'm 23. Like, oh, okay. Oh, so you're still on me. the tit. I was like, well, me. sir, don't worry about any kind of abortions. No one's going to procreate with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Not. Mm-mm. He kept trying so hard, and I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> but you'd have been too soft. Okay, sure. Yeah. I'd be reading a story about you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about this dangerous ass crazy bitch. <laughs> Left on her own, Henley dated drug dealers prostituted herself, and became dependent on alcohol and cocaine. She also gave birth to three children with three different men, starting at the age of 16. And like her mother, she struggled to take care of them. When her youngest kid turned 10, she decided this wasn't working out for her. And so the best place to give her kids would be to her mom and the stepfather that molested her. Makes perfect sense to me, if you ask. Logic. Totally. <laughs> she continued on with her life of good deeds and doing great things. And in 1997, she was selling cocaine and she sold it to an undercover officer. So she got arrested. She had to do some community service, do a short uh, sentence in jail, yada, yada. So when she got out and had to start doing her community service and whatnot, she's like, nah, what design about this life? So she took off and went to... Went, moved from Washington, where she was living at the time, and moved to the town of Truth and Consequences, New Mexico. And Truth or Consequences has a great, totally back hills wed redneck story for how it got its name. This can be where Jimmy adds his fun fact. Right, <laughs> you like the way I just boshed you around like Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Jimmy's totally not bullied into fun facts. The town of Truth or Consequences was formerly known as Hot Springs, named such due to the vast number of natural hot spring spas in the area, roughly one per 75 residents. In March 1950, the host of quiz show Truth or Consequences, Ralph Edwards, announced he would air the program on its 10th anniversary from the first town that renamed itself to the show's name. The town named itself Truth or Consequences on March 31st of that year, with the show broadcasted from there the following evening. Ralph Edwards would subsequently visit the town during the first weekend of May, every year. This became an event which would come to be known as Fiesta, and eventually include beauty contests, parades, and stage shows. And this is where she met David Parker Ray, the toy box killer. And so, their love story begins. 
my god. I know. Aren't you getting all like in your feels? <sighs> Warm, cozy. Like there's a whole bunch of fucking wasp in my heart. <laughs> So in New Mexico, Cindy worked at the state park, and that's where she met David Parker Ray. Like I said, he worked there as a mechanic for the parks department. The two quickly bonded over their shared violent sexual fantasies. Oh my god. <laughs> exactly how me and Jimmy bonded. Is it? It was our extreme vanilla sex. Missionary only for me, baby. <laughs> and once a week. If that. <laughs> more, only more than that if we're trying to procreate. Exactly. So, <laughs> like I said earlier, Ray was 20 years older. And at this time, Hindi was 37 years old. She started living with him very shortly after they met. And this is a little of Cindy's... Uh, communication with the police when I moved in he started to tell me all the women he had murdered he said at least one a year for about 40 years she said at first she wasn't sure if he was telling the truth or just like weird flex <laughs> even if it's a weird flex he'd be like you hold on I um someone just died I gotta go <laughs> <laughs> I left my stove on <laughs> What's that? Oh, my phone's ringing. Oh, oh have cell phone my jet? gosh. Oh, my sorry. IUD just fell out. Gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> nope. Remember, they have shared love of sexual fantasies of torture and rape. So she was just like. I mean, that's the most romantic shit I've ever heard. I mean, they say there is someone out there for everyone. I bet there is. And. I'd hate to see some of these people's county counterparts. Hmm. She said at first she was a little bit nervous. But then she was really intrigued. Uh, oh, absolutely. As one would be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let me get my legal pad and pen because I'm going to write a podcast about this. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking in theory only, 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 only. only, only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no snitch. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. Okay? I don't I tell know. the police. I know. But if they listen to my podcast, they might find out. Yeah. <laughs> it's called freedom of information, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Hindi would later state that Ray had bragged that he knew how to kill someone and bury them at a lake. So that quote earlier was what he told her on how to dispose of them. So he actually told her that quote and then she told it to the police. So yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Cute. Dorbs. Mm. So that's just a little bit about their fairy tale love story. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Disney shit right there. So we're going to tell you a little bit about how David Parker gets his name as the toy box killer. It was due to a room, and they loosely used the word room he created and referred to his toy box. What his room actually was, was a soundproof semi-trailer. So, like, um, picture the like a big horse trailer, but all enclosed, okay? And it was equipped with items used for sexual torture, it is estimated by law enforcement that the number of torture and sexual devices he amassed must have cost him more than $100,000. This is in, in the 1990s, $100,000. That's easily probably like two hundred. dollars You could buy a house yes. for $100,000. How many then? dildos and weird-ass whips, <laughs> fucking needles, oh, fucking can, swords and shit? You can look at the pictures of them online if you'd like, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know... <laughs> 
that's what gets me is that every once in a while you'll be researching and they'll have crime scene photos of someone who's sexually a sadist like that or just has weird kinks and there's always going to be a crime scene photo of a black dildo somewhere <laughs> and you had to know that some adult who pays taxes went and got a degree <laughs> in forensics has to take a picture of this black dildo right now because that's fucking evidence you are a hundred percent correct <laughs> i did not see any black dildos but i think i was so oversighted looking at that's a lot to look at though and the whips, and I remember there was like this torture one implements, like giant piece of metal, something that looked. This um, doesn't feel like Fifty Shades of Grey. This uh-uh. like sounds oh, Fifty yeah. Shades of Pain. <laughs> oh girl, there was this giant thing that looked like a little miniature replica missile, and all I could think I remember looking at is like, did you put that in someone? Because that's the size of a fucking baby. Jesus Christ, no. Yeah. So. I'm already recoiling. The dildos were kind of boring compared to the rest of the stuff you could look at in there. That's okay. Yes, it was cute. (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Adorable. (laughs) Um, It is important to note as we jump into all, we start getting into the crimes he committed, more into the room and whatnot, that no one truly knows everything he did to include when it all began. Because there was one point where when Viagra first came out and he was young that he called Viagra and he asked them if I take your pills can I get an erection and have sex without needing to hurt someone in order to do it so he knew early on he was fucked up and it seems like he was trying to figure out like how do I not do this and he was um, not enjoying it at that time right because as I guess you you know you're torn in between like a, a normal path and why does this turn me on? Yeah. And so he thought maybe if he took Viagra, he could get aroused and have sex without having to hurt, inflict pain upon somebody. Second there, I thought you were going to be like, they, he called and asked if he could get it in old sale amounts. <laughs> and just Pez dispensers, but really big ones. You remember when Viagra came out and every there was like commercials for it and like there was always at least one person you knew who had Viagra branded merch that somehow they got from a friend who is in the medical industry like Viagra ties Viagra pins (laughs) now let me ask you Jen you work on the phone communicating with customers when you do training do you guys listen to phone calls and like critique how you would improve those yes could you imagine that being one that they're like okay now we saved the hardest for last guys this gets a free pin (laughs) that was good we're saying the hardest for last (laughs) <laughs> How would you respond to this customer that wants to know if this will curb his sexual violence, sadomasochistic arousal? Oh, well, that's a tough one, Bob. I think I would tell him yes, so I could sell the Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> money, 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 money. Uh, so, you know, early on, you have a little bit of sympathy for him, empathy for him, whatever you want to use, because I think he knew it was wrong. He didn't want to be this way. I think a lot of people go through that, though, in those people who have those weird things going on with them. I I saw this documentary on pedophiles and these people do have this issue. And they're, a lot of them are like, this is fucked up and I don't know why this is turning me on. And there's like support groups and these people who are actively trying not to offend 
because they know that it's not right. They know it's damaging to the child, but for some reason they're turned on by it. And it's fucking weird that you have this empathy all of a sudden for somebody who wants to fuck a kid because you could see that they're struggling. And then like, there's no real, there's nothing in place for those people. There isn't, and especially when you're somebody like The crime just happens, and then then something gets done about it. Why do we have to wait to that point? If someone is calling Viagra and going, I have fucking problems not hurting someone to jizz, can we do something about this beforehand? I don't know what you got to do, but... I think the fallout is that a lot of these people like himself. They don't have a family support system where they could go to a family and seek the proper things that could possibly help you, which would be therapy medications not viagra but you know mental health medications and whatnot those avenues weren't available for him maybe some like fucking breakthroughs in therapy on why it's believed that he started killing somewhere in his mid-1950s uh or in the mid-1950s not his mid-1950s um his sister at one point had found pictures that he had drawn of finding women torturing them so so on. BTK did that too. Mm-hmm. And she told people and nobody did anything. So, you know, we as society and as people just helped create him. Oh, yeah. It's really, it really does take a whole village. People will do anything <laughs> not to face a problem. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Someone spilled ketchup all over the floor. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me clean it up. Exactly. <laughs> It's believed that he had multiple accomplices, including some of the women that he had dated through the time. There was different sporadic pieces that you could find that believed that some law enforcement were accomplices at times. um, uh, Co-work, all kinds of people. But Ray's method of kidnapping women was disturbingly effective. Mm. He posed as a cop, complete with a fake badge, and told the soon-to-be victim that they were under arrest. And he would handcuff them. Uh, sometimes, so the accounts that we know of, he had somebody else drug them first in a bar and bring them out and then he pretended to be the cop and arrest them. (sighs) So whether he ever just like pulled anybody over or not, don't know. But at some point, I'm sure he did it without an accomplice. Uh, he really enjoyed picking up women at the Blue Water Saloon. The saloon was a dive bar that catered to drifters and the few locals that lived around Elephant Butte. So it was kind of described by the FBI as just like your local bar that people get off work, they go have a few drinks, and then go home, shoot pool, whatnot. That's where we know of the victims that we know of, almost all of them were picked up from there. So after he got them in handcuffs, he would drug them, and then he would take them to his toy box. When the women would awaken, they would find themselves strapped to a cold metal table equipped with stirrups only found in gynecological offices. So it would set up into a chair and then you could lay it back into a bed and it straight up had the stirrups on it. It, Yeah. You can see plenty of pictures of that online. And it was in the middle of the trailer and all on the walls, just like if it were any kind of trailer that people use for um, like transporting race cars or anything yeah. like that. You know, the tools are just lined up along the walls. That's like, exactly like a toy how it trailer. Was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, he had chains, saws, surgical equipment, whips. I mean, you name it, he had it. He would drug them up real good, strap them up in the chair, 
And when the victims would wake up and start to gather themselves, trying to figure out, you know, where they were, what the fuck's going on, they're kind of struggling around, a voice recording would start playing. And it was a 30-minute-plus rambling, including what he was going to do to them and how he wanted them to react. If they didn't react to the torture the way he demanded, for example, if they screamed too much, he promised to slash their throats. So, we're going to go into a little bit of the tape. When did, when did he get caught? 1999. When did Saw 1 come out? I wonder if he had some, like, inspo for that. Oh, like, probably. Like, wake up in the fucking recording being, like, people getting their wherewithal to be blasted with this information of, like, well, let me tell you what's about to go down. None of that being good. Oh, yeah. So, it starts out. Hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists, ankles chained, gagged, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances. For a little while, at least, you need to get your shit together and listen to this tape. It is very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you, in detail, while you've been kidnapped. What's going to happen to you and how long you'll be here? I don't know the details of your capture because this tape is being created on July 23, 1993 as a general advisory tape for future female captives. The information I'm going to give you is based on my experience dealing with captives over a period of several years. If, at a future date, there are any major changes in our procedures, the tape will be upgraded. Now. You are obviously here against your will, totally helpless, don't know where you're at, don't know what's going to happen to you, you're very scared, very pissed off. I'm sure that you've already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose, and now you know you can't. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. You probably think you're going to be raped, and you're fucking sure right about that. Our primary interest is what you've got between your legs. You'll be raped thoroughly and repeatedly in every hole you've got. Because basically, you've been snatched and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. Sound kind of far out? Yeah, he did say that. Well, I suppose it is too... I suppose it is too uninitiated, but we do it all the time. It's going to take a lot of adjustment on your part. But you're not going to like it a fucking bit. But I don't give a big rat's ass about that. It's not like you're going to have any choice in the matter. You've been taken by force. You're going to be kept and used by force. What all this amounts to is that you're going to be kept naked and chained up like an animal to be used and abused anytime. As you can imagine, that probably took me about two, three minutes to read. There's 27 more minutes. Mm. 27 more minutes of it. He goes into telling exactly uh, how they're going to use each orifice, the different sexual acts, um, how friends are going to come over and participate. He goes into very brief, uh, very detailed description about mechanism that he created that he chains the women up to and it puts them in like the doggy position and how he sprays 
animal dog musk on them and will let their dog have sex with them. The fuck? He goes into describing the dog's penis inside them, what happens when the dog ejaculates and how the penis won't come out and and how this will be in the living room and everybody will be watching. Oh, it... I had to turn it off because I literally thought I was going to physically vomit. It is that detailed and that disgusting. About how he's going to let all his friends come over, like I said. Um, apparently, there was plenty of people that did come over and participate in these tortures and rapes. They're seen on videotapes. Do you think that, like... I mean, they had to have known that this was not consensual. Because, you know, there are those people who out there that are like, I want to have this scenario and we're just... We're doing this for her. This is what she wants, you know. Um, It was a very small town, and it was very... I'm going to set a scene for you, okay? I'm going to set a picture here. Visualize for picture me, if it. you will. Uh, desert area. Mm-hmm. We're out in the desolate area. There's a bunch of trailers. A bunch of shit in the yard. Broken down fences and whatnot. And then you got... a. Uh, semi-trailer on the property. Feels like the hills has eyes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you got the semi-truck trailer that the person's being brought out of and into the house and then strapped to a homemade fashion. And he was an auto mechanic, so he knew what he was doing when he was making these devices. He'd been a mechanic his whole life. <sighs> and then he, this woman is, all the women that escaped and the victims they found that were alive were all bruises around wrists and ankles, beat, bloodied everything so i find it hard to believe that anybody would think because you know if it, if it were role play it's there's safe words and shit like that and right and they're not usually all bruised up and beaten no. bloody and whatnot so it's if anybody ever said they thought this was no that's they're that's a shit. very i find i feel like that would be very niche market anyways for yes. like those people who are into that and two they take that shit very seriously yeah so, I don't think so. But I could be wrong. Did oh, I'm sure you're probably going to go over it later. Nobody was anybody charged in accessory to him or anything. Two. There's total of four people that get charged. Okay. There's like I said a lot more to the tape, but it's filthy. Literally makes me sick. Um the tape concluded, the end says, "Be smart and be a survivor. Don't ever scream." Don't talk without permission. Be very quiet. Be docile and obedient. And by all means, show proper respect. Have a nice day. The fuck? How? What? Why? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. What the fuck? Could you? I mean, this is what nightmares are made of. Could you imagine waking up strapped to a chair? That'd be horrible enough. You've been kidnapped. You're already like, what's going to happen to me? And then this fucking coming on and playing? At that point, you're like, is this fucking real? Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me right now? Yeah. And you're looking around and you're seeing all this torture devices hanging on the walls. And you're like, okay, every fucking word he just said is true and about to happen to me. Terrified. I would almost be like, I'll just scream and let you slash my throat because I would rather end this then than go sit through here. This. Yeah. For however long you're going to do this to me and and let an animal fuck me. No, no. Take me out. Yeah. It's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> Put on words there. No for me, dog. <laughs> After the recording played and finished, 
Ray would enter the room and begin torturing the victims immediately. Sometimes he filmed or photographed the assaults. He would kidnap between five and six women a year, holding each of them captive for around uh, three to four months, is what they say. Our Damn. Vi- our victims were only for days. So, like I said, that. well, I don't know if I said that on him. I told you before him. A lot of the information regarding the videotapes, the pictures, has never been released by the FBI. These guys were in disbelief of what they found and saw. And a lot of it, I just don't think they ever wanted the public to know. And I think and some not, of it was not because of, they were hiding it, but because this is, you're, nobody wants, this is something you can't not remember. Like this yes. will fuck you up just looking at it. And I think some of not sharing too much information was out of respect for the victims. Yeah. Because it would be bad enough to be fucked by an animal, but then for everybody to know that happened to you is like, oh, and you have know, evidence. I'm sure, you know, video, pictures. Yeah. I, I would much rather, if it happened to me, for no one just to know about that part. You know I was kidnapped and raped, but if you could not know that they did that. It's degrading. It is. And he was very degrading to the women, obviously. goes without saying. Uh, during this period that he had them, he would sexually abuse the victims. Again, sometimes involving his dog. Or they referred to his wife, but that was Cindy Hindi. She was full participation in all of this. And she never Another denied. Carla Homoka. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Except Cindy Hindi didn't deny her involvement. No. And didn't say he forced her to. She <sighs> never said that. Whereas Carla Homoka proud. tried yeah. to put it as though she were that a bitch. That bitch is out on the street as we speak, Carla Homoka. So. so is Cindy Hindi. Spoiler alert. Stop it. No. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, they'd often torture them with surgical instruments. So Ray would drug them throughout their captive with barbiturates and attempt to erase their memories of what had happened before he would release some of them. So he didn't kill all of his victims. Some he released. So he would just keep them in a drug-induced fog, which is probably the kindest thing he could do for the victims. Because maybe, I mean, I wouldn't want to know what the fuck was going on. Keep no. me doped up if you're going to do this. Like I mentioned earlier, Ray started dating Cindy Hindi. She discovered the toy box, the kidnapping, the rape. But instead of going to police, she was like, hell yeah, I found my <laughs> my yin to my yang. <laughs> so she wasn't the only person that we 100% know of that was involved. We also know his friend Dennis Roy Yancey. He's seen in one of the videos. He is seen strangling a woman named Marie Parker to death. And this was his ex-girlfriend, Yancey's ex-girlfriend. And then, because, I mean, is anything as great in life as when the whole family is involved? So, he brought his daughter in. And she participated too. Now, they didn't have no sex going on together, dad and daughter. I mean, incest was a line they didn't cross. <laughs> wow, we found the line. <laughs> we found it. Great. That was it. <laughs> Dog sex, yes. Cutting, yes. Torturing, yes. Fucking my daughter. Am I an animal? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. I am not. No. I have standards. <laughs> 
show some damn respect. Put some respect on that. So she would drug the drinks of women hanging out at the bar, and then she would bring them to her dad. And nobody was off limits. She would, uh, one of the victims was her friend for four years. Mm-hmm. That's uh, about how long we've been friends, right? Four or five years? Mm-hmm. At, that is so funny because when I was listening to uh, the victim talk about how they had been friends for three or four years and how she trusted her, that I was just like, God, that's how long Jen and I have been friends. Good thing I always bring my own drink. <laughs> <laughs> JK, I know you wouldn't do that to me. You couldn't do the podcast without me. <laughs> Fuck no. You're, you're the talent. Come on uh, now. I don't know about that, but I'll take it. <laughs> So she'd drug him and then she'd take him to her daddy and she'd drop him off with him. Now we're going to talk about some of the victims and the assaults that we know of. Mm. After a childhood of abuse and molestation, Cynthia Harmio, I know how to say the name and you know me, I always be fucking up when the time time gets here. (laughs) Uh, She found herself in the streets in Albuquerque. Remember, they live in Elephant Butte next to Truth and Consequences. But Cynthia is taken when she's in Albuquerque. Now, she's taken from Albuquerque because Cindy Hindi, being the stand-up mom that she is, asked David Parker Ray if she could go to Albuquerque because her daughter was having a child and it was going to be her first grandchild and she wanted to be there for the birth. Isn't that precious? Wait, so she could steal the baby? And bring it back as a sex slave? Yeah. So he agreed to let her go up there, but she had to get him a sex slave to entertain him while she's going to be up there. I knew something was suspicious. Of course. So sus. First of all, if Joshua Allen ever tried to tell me I couldn't go nowhere, <laughs> that'd be our first problem. I wish he would. I wish a motherfucker would. <laughs> and then tell me I had to get him a sex slave while I'm gone. Okay, that part I'm fine with, whatever. <laughs> yeah, please, somebody do something with him. <laughs> JK, guys. <laughs> I feel like I always say incriminating evidence. On Not incriminating taking applications at all. <laughs> so that's how they ended up in Albuquerque. Cynthia, she would sell drugs, um, and then she started selling her body and prosti- prostituting. It was March 1999, when Cynthia was working the streets in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So she'd been working the streets for a long time. So she had rules and things to keep her safe that she didn't do. Her number one rule was you don't get into RVs with anybody. But that night, she broke her rule. And it always is like, girl, I've been keeping you safe. Mm-hmm. She went to an RV with the man that she met. She said he seemed, and I had such a hard time like, processing my mind she was like he seemed like such a nice normal guy but he was you were being a prostitute and he was being a john so already i don't know where (laughs) nice guy falls in there but i guess your definition and my definition are completely different totally different things (laughs) but i guess he was nice in the context of being a john maybe you paid up front or something and she's like you know what i trust this motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) maybe she goes back to the rv with him And as soon as they get to the back of the RV, he pulls out a badge, says, I'm a cop, you're under arrest, and he put handcuffs on her. But she said she knew right away he wasn't no normal cop, because I'm sure there's one of them I'm getting arrested. 
<laughs> she was like, this isn't normally how it goes down. Right. As soon as he put one cuff on her, she reached for the door to get out and he yelled Cindy. And she said she stopped dead in her tracks because she was like, how the fuck does he know my name? Because her name was Cynthia. Oh. And she, But his girlfriend is Cindy. So he was calling for her, but this Cynthia thought he was call- So it freaked her out. She's like, the fuck he's been watching or mm-hmm. yeah yeah well as we learn it wasn't her he was calling <laughs> she said she just stopped like froze and then around the corner comes a female and it's cindy hindi she said uh she immediately so old girl starts fighting again because she sees homegirl coming around the corner so she starts fighting a girl Fighting again, and old Cindy Hindi pulls out a cattle prod and no. zaps her. So she's out. Poor gal. The one time she slips. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes, guys. That's all it takes sometimes. She uh, survived, right? Yes. Okay. Oof. They drag her, drag her to the back of the RV, and they chain her up to a cabinet back there. So this girl was smart, though. She, they, then they start driving. So she said she already started formulating how the fuck am I going to get out of this? Looking around, whatnot. So she was able to get the screws in the cabinet unscrewed and get her. So she's still handcuffed, but now she's not handcuffed to the cabinet. Right. She kind of stands up a little bit, gets like on her feet, and then she just crouches down. And she's looking. And she said she decided what she was going to do is wait till they slowed down like they were stopping. And then she was just going to haul ass and jump out the door and just fucking run for it. Yeah, tuck and roll and go for it. So she's all crouched down, you know, kind of looking around. Well, something happened that she didn't see, and it forced him to slam on the brakes. And when he did, she went rolling forward. Oh, fuck. So then they were like, oh, no. Damn. Cindy Hindi goes, gets up and starts going back there. Well, this girl's already hopped up on her feet fixing the run. Run. And she pulls out a gun and points at her. So homegirl sits back down and is like, nope. I mean, yeah. Yeah. She puts the gun to her head and she said, this is the last thing she remembers before everything just went black. So I don't know if they hit her, they shot her up with some drugs or what. She said the next thing is she woke up strapped to the chair with the audio tape playing. So she did an interview and she said, the more pain that she showed from the torture, the more, her exact words were, the more pain I showed the more I hurt, the more he got off. You know, it's one of those instances where it's like, you need to just act like the tiniest thing hurts because... Because then he'll get done faster. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking terrifying to have to figure that out. Right? She said she was strapped to the chair for hours being tortured. The rest of the time, she had a dog collar around her neck that had one of those long chains on it. And they kept her chained to a pole by the bed. There was two padlocks to secure, one securing the dog collar to the chain around her neck so she couldn't take it off, and then one securing the chain to the pole. She said as soon as, like, drugs would wear off and they would chain her up, she immediately started getting to know her surroundings, getting to know kind of the flow, watching the conversations between the two, And she said one thing that she noticed is that there were rules posted all throughout the house. 
And the number one rule posted everywhere was don't trust a chain captive. And she said it was like she felt at that moment that it was a complete loss of ever being able to get anyone to help her because no he had that gonna, put yeah. there as a constant reminder to drill into their head. Don't ever fall for the shit sad story they give you. And that's when she said she knew there was going to be nobody to help her. Huh. And that is where we're going to end for part one. Ooh. Now I'm like waiting, waiting. Like, <laughs> like uh, I don't even no, know what happened. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, suckers. I get to hear it in about 10 minutes. <laughs> you guys have to wait till next week. <laughs> and it gets even better. Better. Worser? Better, worser? Better, worse? I mean, it gets worse before it gets better. Yeah. It's a it's a good story of strength about this lady, but it's a whole lot of bad shit wrapped around it. Bless it. Yeah. Well, let's... Whew. Like I said, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. But I feel like it's one that needs some light shined on it because shown on it because anybody that knows people that lived in that area at the time that went missing need to be aware of it and need to tell authorities because mm -hmm. there's just so many victims unknown oh absolutely and we'll get more into that in the second and part. we know that people who sometimes go missing aren't reported because they have you know been a high risk category like, well, like a sex lady. worker yeah. like her mm -hmm. where you know just like with the um i-45 killer you know these women were considered high risk and so their families had never even reported them and they found them later through uh genealogical dna and how sad is it for like the last 40 years these women have sat john mm -hmm. jane doe this whole time just and because their family hasn't reported them it's fucking terrifying. And all the victims that we'll go over, no no shaming whatsoever, just stating an obvious trend to his victim selection is they were women that were either pros prostitutes or they weren't living the most responsible life. They were out at bars a lot. They were um, kind of shirting their responsibilities if they had children. Um, he knew that those people were not going to be looked after. They were not going to be right. someone who was going to look for them. They were just going to be chalked up to another statistic. So exactly. his MO towards them is not necessarily just because they were sex workers, but because they were sex workers that wouldn't be missed. Exactly. Because even when they seen their family, they'd go home for a while, they'd leave, family wouldn't hear from them a long time. It was kind of back and forth. They didn't know where they were when they were gone. So when they called police and said, hey, yo, she's gone, the police were like, yeah, she always is kind of thing. Yeah. And then it never went anywhere from there. So he knew what he was doing with his victim selection. Oh, yeah. It was very thought out. That's why he got away for so long. True story. So let's talk about merch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have merch now, of course, if you guys didn't feel like buying it, you know, what have you. Um, we also have our social media, Facebook and Instagram Follow us, like, let us know, follow in our DMs. Um, we love it. We had somebody this last week uh, put in a request for a murder they wanted to hear about. So please, if you have any requests or any stories of your own, reach out to us, send us an email. 
And if on your whatever platform you listen to, don't forget to rate and subscribe. It really does help us out. It does. It we does. do it for free, so you don't ever have to pay for anything. Just but if you want to be a Patreon, we are looking into yes that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shameless maybe plug. <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> shameless, not so shameless. That's all right. <laughs> Mama needs new equipment. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you already do your sources? Oh, I did not. Let me do that. Look at us. We're getting like professional. So, uh, WKRGE.com news for New Mexico surviving the toy box killer. All that interesting David Parker Ray toy box killer. Freshedits.com spotlight the horrifying truth of David Parker Ray the toy box killer. And Digomag.com. Uh, toy box killer. And I have some more sources for the second one. Ooh, I'm excited. Well, until next time. Stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. And don't bring it so close to home that you ask your daughter to go drug women at the bar and bring them back to put into your expensive ass sadistic torture chamber called the toy box. Yeah, keep it out of your family now. Come on now. Keep it out of the family. Not that close, y'all. Not Have some close. respect. Please. <laughs> for the love of God. We're not animals. Please, for the love of God, don't do this. It's what my nightmares are made of. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was good. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.